to you tonight. If you'd stand to your feet one more time, we're going to read from Exodus chapter number 25, starting at verse number 16, just a few verses of Scripture. It said, And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them, and the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherubim on one end, the other cherubim on the other end. Even the mercy sheet shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and the ark shall be put the testimony, and I will give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Now if you turn to Lamentations, chapter number 3, verse number 22. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not condemned, are consumed, because his passions fell not. They were renewed every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And tonight I want to talk to you a little while on untethered mercy. Untethered mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy. Lord, we thank you for being here with us tonight. We ask you to let your word go forth with anointing and power. Touch our hearts, minds, change us. Lord, take us in the palm of your hand and mold us and make us according to your will and purpose. Lord, we ask you right now that you would bind every spirit that would try to impede the dear word tonight. God, that we go forth and touch hearts and lives. That we can leave this place with a changed mind, a changed heart, a changed outlook, and a changed attitude. I pray it right now in the name of Jesus that it would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, a tether is nothing more than a restraint. It holds back. If you are going to train a dog, you put him on a tether. And the dog will learn to only go so far from you, especially if they are bird hunting dogs. They learn to only go so far away from you and not too far out. And as you le they learn that, you can take them off the tether, and then they don't go no farther than that. They learned that. When we had dogs, we had coon hunting hounds, we had rabbit hunting hounds, and we had to teach them not to chase deer. Because if you chase deer in Wisconsin with dogs, you can get your dog shot. And we had to train them not to chase deer. And we would put a shocking collar on them because you could not tether them that long. But again, it was just for a restraint. And sometimes them dogs take off their deer, and I'd hit that button and almost knocked them poor dogs right off their feet. But I had to stop them. They had to learn. And sometimes we are tethered from things because we have to learn. You see children going through Walmart, and their mother has them on a tether because they're about to take off. My girls, when they were growing up, I tried to teach them when we went into a grocery store, you hang on to the side of the cart. And to this day, if you'll be walking with my girls, all at once one will reach out and grab the cart and want to walk holding to the cart because they were trained that way 
because I didn't want nothing happening to my girls. You know, in this day and age, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's a lot worse now than it was when they were little. But a tether holds them. But the worst thing about a tether is it trains. It gives you an attitude of that's all the farther you can go. It gives you a thought pattern that this is my boundary. I can't go beyond it. But God didn't make mercy that way. He made mercy that was open. And when he split the, the veil on the day when he died, and he said, it is finished, there was the earthquake because the ground had never before tasted the blood that was so powerful it couldn't handle it. One time I began to look at the number of gallons of blood that was shed just on the day of the, when they built the temple, when they were bringing the temple and going to begin to use it. They were anointing it. And there was thousands and thousands of gallons of blood that was shed that day from all the bulls and all the calves and all the sheep that went into the ground. But only when the blood of Jesus touched the earth did the earth go into convulsions and say, I never felt this kind of power before. And so there was a great earthquake when that blood fell off the cross and hit the ground. And he said it was finished. And the veil was rent in two. And from that day on, Mercy was open to everyone. But we in this day and age, things happen to us, and we make up our minds we're going to tether mercy again. We decide that we want mercy for us, but for the one who offended us, the one who did us wrong, the one who made us upset, we want to limit and tether their mercy. We don't want it unlimited for them. And I, I want to tell you something. This church is headed for a revival. And in that revival that's coming, there's going to be people walk through these doors that some of you have been around for a while, they hurt you. Some of them you've been around for a while, they offended you. Some of them you've been around for a while, they took you. They took you through the cleaners. They probably owe you to this day. But they're going to walk into this place, and it's time for us to realize we've got to show the mercies of God. We've got to show untethered mercies. We can't hold back. We've got to say you're forgiven. I love you. I remember as a 14-year-old boy, I didn't want to milk cows no more. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, hunting season coming. I want to get up and go to my deer stand at 5. I don't want to get up and go to that barn and milk them stupid Holsteins. And I talked my dad into selling part of the herd so I could get out of the barn faster. But what he'd done is he sold part of the herd to a guy in the church, which is never a good idea to deal in the church. It always causes a hard feeling somewhere. That guy took my dad's cows. He didn't feed my dad's cows. He sold part of those cows and didn't pay my dad. Then he came to my dad and he said, I've took you and I'm not coming to church no more because I don't want to face you. And I watched my dad with tears in his eyes look at him and say, you come to church, I forgive you, you owe me no more. Now we were not rich. There was nine kids in our family. You got nine boys my size running around. It takes a plenty of food. It takes a plenty of meat. 
It takes a plenty of everything, believe me. And for him to say that is like someone here tonight saying, I'll give you $100,000 right now, and it don't matter if I'm in debt or not. But I watched him say that trying to keep the man in church. And I watched him as me and him and my mother, we butchered whatever cows we did get back because they weren't no good for nothing else no more. Had to make sausage out of them because the meat was so bad from what they'd been through. But he said, you're forgiven. And he never again mentioned the debt. I watched for years. They worked and paid it off, but never mentioned the debt again. He never mentioned it to us kids. He never mentioned it to the man who owed him. He never mentioned it to anything else. And I was thinking about this message. I began to think how dad decided that he was going to give mercy as he was given mercy. And he was going to loose the mercy and show his family how to give mercy. But that's something that has to be learned. Yes, you can teach your children how to forgive. But they got to learn to do it. You can show them how to do it, but they have to learn. The only way you truly learn how to forgive is be put in the place that you have to do it. I never understood one time my mother and dad pastored all my life. One day my mother told me something happened, and she knew that I had, was very angry. Fact is, she made the statement to me. She said, you are the most hateful, meanest person. I have ever seen in my life. Son, you have to change. My dad looked at me and he said, Son, I'm turning you over to God. I can't handle you no more. I can't deal with you anymore. You're going to kill me and your mother with worry. But then my mother started crying and she looked at me and she said these words. She said, I hated a man one time and I will never let that happen to me again. If you've ever been hurt very bad, you've ever had somebody that you were close to really go after you, you understand hurt. You understand what it feels like for someone to really turn against you and stick you in the back. One time somebody said to me, you need to bury the hatchet, and I said, can I do it in the back of their head? That's how you feel. You think that might help. It doesn't, but you think it might. Maybe I can make them feel some of this pain that I'm feeling. And I know there's nobody under the sound of my voice that has not dealt with the pain, the deep hurt, the deep pain. In fact, there's some under the sound of my voice that you're still dealing with it. And it's not easy. But mercy is this. It is the grace of God that he's not giving us the judgment that we deserve. That's what mercy is. It's just God's grace that he's not given us what we've really earned, that he forgave us. That's what his mercy is. Grace I can define like this. It's kind of an acronym. It's God riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense is what grace is. Christ come and died, and he made a way that I could find grace and mercy. So it was God's riches at Christ's expense. 
Now, when someone hurts us, we should write it down in sand. I know it's hard. But it's something we need to take, we need to write down in the sand where the wind blows hard and the waves crash in. So it'll be wiped away. So forgiveness can erase it completely. But when someone does something good for us, we need to carve it down in stone where no wind or nothing can ever erase it. So it's always remembered. But somehow we've got that backwards. We seem to forget very quickly what someone has done good for us and remember always what they did wrong. I have seen churches split. But you go to some of them people now and ask, why did you do this? And they say, hey, I can't really remember why. But I know I'm mad at that person. I don't know why I'm mad no more, but I'm mad. Because now they've made up their mind to be mad. They don't have to have a reason. They just want to be mad. But I want mercy from God. And the Bible says if I limit the mercy I give to someone else, he's going to limit the mercy he gives me. I want to show mercy. When God gave Moses the instructions to build the Ark of the Covenant in the text we read, the mercy seat was made of gold. The mercy seat was made of gold because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. Money is not the root of all evil. In fact, this proverb says money answers all things. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. We get offended faster over our money and over our kids than anything else. The kids can get in a fight and be playing two minutes later, but mom and dad are fighting for the next five years. That don't make no sense. The Bible says, I wish you would be as little children. Because they forget, they hug each other and go back playing. As they get older, they remember the grudge is a little longer and a little longer and a little longer. Until before it's over, they're mad. And they don't even really know why. But mercy must be given. It can't be withheld and it can't be tethered. You can't say, Lord, I want to give them this much mercy. But I want you to give me all the mercy. God says, no, whatever length your tether is, is the length I'm going to tether you. Because he said, I untethered mercy for you. Well, you untether mercy for them. He spoke the parable about the two men who owned the debt. One had a great debt forgiven. But when he seen the man who owed him a little, he wanted to throw him in prison. And it's the same way with us. We too often forget what he's done for us and hold something against someone else. We too often forget he gave his life. He shed his blood. He laid on a cross that you and I could have mercy, that we could have grace to know him. And yet we want to hold something against someone else and say, I'm not going to give you mercy, but I want mercy. I'm not going to forgive you, but I want forgiven. Matthew 5, 38 says, we have heard. That it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. But I say unto you, love your enemies. How many love your enemies? 
I'm not, I didn't ask what you'd love to do to your enemy. I said, love your enemies. You know, that's a hard thing to do. Someone walks up and smacks me on the right cheek. My friend, help me. Like Charles Mahaney once said, he said, I say, Holy Ghost, you stay right here. I'll be right back. So love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That means they did it on purpose. They meant to damage your reputation. They meant to damage everything about you. They meant to take away your respect. They meant to make people dislike you and mistrust you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, there's a lot of verses we can all quote. The love of money is root of all evil. Some people quote that wrong, that the money is root of all evil, like I said. Then there's thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt bear no false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We can quote these things. But I have found in my life, it's very easy to quote them, but sometimes very hard to live them. We many times, we allow small things to get to us. We allow small things to irritate us just because of four little words, I don't like it. We make a big thing out of it because I don't like it. Well, I got something to tell you. It don't matter. It's going to happen anyway. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean everybody is required to make me happy. Would I like that? Oh, yes. Is it going to happen? Oh, no. My wife will tell you, oh, no. I ain't even, she can tell you, I, she ain't even going to do it. Because why? Because when we get pleased, we want more and more and more. We don't stop with the one thing we wanted in the first place. Because we're selfish, we're human, and God put it in us. To want more, but he put in this to want more of him, not want more of everything else. And so when we begin to want more of him, then everything changes. But in our carnal attitude, we say, I just don't like it, and we want people to adhere and give over to us. We want everybody else around us to be Christians and to be giving so we can be the taker. And there's too many times we find ourselves with these shoes on, including myself. When you're looking around saying, what in the world's going on? And you realize, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me. It's my fault. It's me who done it. 
They didn't do this. I did it to myself. You know, this is a giving church. It's a very giving church. I've been around few churches in my life that had an attitude of giving as this church has. I've seen people sacrifice beyond measure over this building fund. But now I'm watching it because I know how it happens. I'm watching it flip right back over, and they're getting blessed beyond measure because of this building fund. That's just how it happens. And we gave the testimony when we were going through this about how it happened to us and why we knew it would happen again. But God gives us money not for us to show off. He gave the children of Israel gold and silver when they left Israel. They gave them their jewels, said, here, take everything we got and leave. When I went through negotiation school, they told me I was a good negotiator if I could talk someone into giving me their wallet and tell me thank you for taking it. That's kind of what Israel did to the children of Israel. They said, here, take our stuff, just get out of here. We're glad to get rid of you right now. They had just lost their firstborn. They'd been set by flies, and they'd had fleas, and they'd had all kinds of frogs, and the water had turned to blood. And they said, just take everything, get out of here. God didn't give them all their jewels. He didn't give them all that gold and silver for them to show off with it. He surely didn't give them it for them to make some golden calf. Well, he's up on top of the mountain, and him come down and find a whole bunch of crazy nuts dancing around with no clothes on around a golden calf. He gave them that so they could build a temple. He gave them that so they could help one another. Sometimes we get, God blesses us and begins to give us stuff, and we begin to go out buying and show it off. We don't need to be doing that. You know, there's some people who don't have as much as others. Just because they don't have as much as others, we got to be careful that our children don't begin to think they're better than others. God gives us money for us to bless the house and the work of God, to bless the ministry of God. One time I was at a place and I was out to eat with a missionary. And the missionary looked up, and here come five of the ministers driving their five and $600,000 motorhomes into the parking lot. And he shook his head, and here's what he said. He said, what could that do for missions? And I looked at him, and I said, brother, would you just please look at the numbers that they give to missions before you say that again? Them, some of them guys that gave six and seven hundred thousand dollars a year to missions. And God had blessed them with motorhomes. And a lot of them did. One guy, he didn't pay nothing for his motorhome. They gave him the motorhome. So don't be judging others by what they got. Just because God has blessed them, it means they probably sacrificed greatly. I'm saying all this because. There was gold there on the mercy seat. It was the gold. It was what they wanted more than anything that they had to bury in the blood to get the mercy. They had to cover the gold. They had to cover the riches with blood. 
to get the mercy. And we have to cover those things in our life that we hold dear before we're going to see the true mercies of God. We got to stop allowing ourselves to be offended. We got to stop opening our mouths and spewing out things that are hurtful. When the Bible says thou shalt not kill, it does not mean take a life. It means take a spirit, take a will. You know, too many times, and me included, we get goofing around and horsing around and get sarcastic and get and criticize when we need to keep our mouths shut. We don't know what someone just went through when we walked through the doors of this church. All my life, I've watched something that really bothered me for many years. And that is, young people are young people. Sometimes, young people and old people, they make mistakes. And they get themselves caught up in a mess. And sometimes a young lady will end up pregnant. And I watched how people started stepping back away from them and pointing their finger at them when they had no business because they had done the same thing. They just hadn't got caught. And we need to be careful not to condemn one another, that we can walk up and put our arm around one another and say, I love you. I know you're having a hard time, but I'm walking with you. Put your arm around me. I'll help carry you for a ways if that's what needs be. We need to remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, chapter 9. It says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It may be true, but if it's not pure, if it's not just, if it's not bringing praise, don't say it. It may be honest, but if it's not nice, don't say it. I've learned that there was an elderly lady in our church in California, and she had the best words for most situations. When someone said something to her about someone else, her words were, bless their heart. Maybe that's the best words we can learn. Bless their heart. We don't need to hear it. We got to be careful to say things that are uplifting, to say things that are encouraging. And let only those things come out of our mouth. Not being sarcastic. Not being criticizing. You say, well, I'm just trying to help them. Well, you're not helping. I'm trying to give them constructive criticism. They didn't ask you to be their builder. They didn't hire you as their contractor. When they hire you as their contractor, they'll take you aside and they'll say, can you help me with this? And tell them, we don't have business saying. And I'm talking to myself just as much as everybody here tonight. 
that God's been talking to me about at all. There's no one here that has not been hurt. There's no one here that doesn't have things inside of them that you've let the superficial healing go over them and cover them. But down deep, if anyone gets near, you're like a fighter. I've been in some fights where I got hurt. And when you get hurt, you begin guarding that rib. Your elbow comes down instead of your elbow out, you can punch. Your elbow comes down, you can't hit near as hard no more. And you become vulnerable every time you guard a hurt in another area. The devil knows your vulnerabilities. So he starts poking at him. We got to be careful. Years ago, I got hurt very bad. It made me begin to question God on everything. I spent time trying to figure out why did this happen to me? Why did others not tell me that seemed it going on? Why did someone not come to me and help me? Why did God not let me know when it was happening? And because I started questioning everything, and I was hurt by some in authority over me, and I felt I'd been stabbed in the back by him. And I had served him, and I had felt I had been faithful, and I, I had given, and I had sacrificed, and all at once I was being knocked around like I was a punching bag. And I was stabbed in the back, and I would try to talk someone, and they'd turn around and tell someone and stab me in the back. And, you know, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another. Well, you got to be careful that they don't confess your faults to somebody else. Then the gossip session starts up. And it hurt me, and I spent time crying. I remember one night I was laying by my fireplace just crying, God, why? Help me. I need help, God. And I was crying. I remember the floor was soaked with my tears. And I was crying, God, help me. I need help. I'm hurting so bad I don't have nobody. Please help me. And I laid there and I cried till I fell asleep. And the next morning I remember my phone began to ring. And people from all over the country began to call me and say, are you okay? We heard you cry and help me in there last night in our sleep. We got up and prayed for you. And I realized at that point that God was hearing me. But it still didn't seem to hurt the pain that I was feeling. It didn't, still didn't seem to calm the pain I was feeling. And so I began questioning everything. And as I walked, it seemed to get darker and darker. And everything got dim. The light of God got dim to me because I was trying to tether his mercy to others. I wanted the mercy. But I was trying to tether the mercy to those who hurt me so bad. I was trying to say, God, get them. 
And because of that, I begin to question more and more and more. And it, the light of God got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer to me. And as it went along, I began to not even understand what seemed to be happening. Because I wouldn't truly offer forgiveness. And I found myself grown more and more discouraged. I grew more and more discontented. I begin to take on an attitude of entitlement. Meaning, look what I've done. Why I should have this just because of what I've done. Anytime you take on the attitude of entitlement, you better stop and look. There's something there that's festering, and it needs the hand of God to reach down and heal it. I understand when a few years ago when my wife and daughters got in that bad car wreck, Tiffany flew out of the car at 70 miles an hour as it rolled, and she landed about 50 feet away from the car. My wife went over there, and she wasn't breathing. Blood coming out her ears, not her eyes, not her nose. And my wife reached up and took the hairpin out of her hair and let her long hair down over Tiffany's face. And she said, God, remember me. And Tiffany said, what happened? You're laying there not breathing. She broke her pelvis and she got a hematoma on her pelvis and they had to go in and it wouldn't heal, it wouldn't heal. We took her to the hospital, I don't know, probably 50 times. They finally had to go in, they had to cut her open. They had to go in, they had to scrape out everything out of that hematoma. And then she had to have what they call a wound back in it that would suck it, all the infection out so it would heal from the inside out. And, I be, and as I thought about that, I began to understand this. Too many times we let the wound heal over superficially. And we haven't allowed God's mercies to come in as a wound back and scrape it out and heal it from the inside out. We haven't allowed God to actually do his work in our life. I remember I began to blame everybody for everything. It was always everybody else's fault, not me. I did nothing wrong. I was the holiest person walking the earth. That's how you get feeling. Everybody's against me. I don't know why. Everybody's against me constantly. No matter what I do, everybody's against me. And I begin to get that attitude. That one day I realized what had happened. When you begin to talk to God and you don't hear an answer, then you get scared. But I hear them very dim. And I begin to pray. God, fast. God, I need help. And then the darkness began parting. And I began to see the light of God again. Then he showed me, you can't limit mercy. 
I haven't limited mercy to you, and you can't limit mercy to someone else. The Bible says the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell on the thorns, some fell on the byway, and the birds ate it, but some fell on stony ground. Being a farmer, I found out the stony ground It's usually ground that has a stone underneath of it, about four to five inches. And so when something grows on it, it can't take root. But the funny thing about stony ground is this. Because the rock is underneath of it, when the sun shines on it, it superheats the soil quicker. So the seed germinates and flourishes faster than every other seed. And all at once you got someone, oh, they're growing, so I can't believe how fast they're growing. Watch out. There's some stony ground. And the Bible says it can't take root and then it dies away. And I remember as I prayed, I said, God, I'll forgive them, but I won't trust them again. And he talked to me just like I'm talking to you tonight. And he said, hey, son, I trusted you again. It's not an excuse. If you forgive, you show the mercy I've shown you. And I washed your sins as far away as the east is from the west. And I'm talking to people here tonight, you've got some stony ground. And I'm talking to this man up here that's got some stony ground. There's some stones there. And when you pull out a stone, there's a hurt. There's some hurts from the past. There's some hurts that you've never let go of from people. It may even be from leadership. And I'm talking to you tonight because God wants to heal you. He wants to heal us from the inside out. The things that some nights you go to bed about and you cry, God is saying, I want to heal them tonight. Why don't you come to give it to me and dry your last tear? I found... In Psalms chapter number 136, it says, And his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth for all generations. I begin to read Proverbs, it says, And our God delighteth in mercy. I realize that I can run to him. And he realizes I'm human. But I can run to him. And he will give me strength. And he told me, he said, if you'll give me that stone when you pull it out, I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to cause pain to open up that old wound. But if you pull it out and you'll hand it to me, I'll take that stone from you. And I'm going to put that stone on the place that you've been slipping so you'll have something for him to stand on. And after you get across that place you've been slipping and falling, I'm going to take that stone, and that's how I'm going to build your altar. And I'm going to build the hedge about you with the stones of hurt that you've given back to me. And I've learned that if I will, 
and I won't hold back, and I won't want to think that I got the corner on something, that he'll do just that. But I have learned that I have to make the first step because God's a gentleman. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open unto me, I will enter in. He's not going to kick your door open and make you come. But he says, I'm here. I want to heal you. I want to heal you from the inside out. You've been wanting healing. All you got to do is open your heart up to me. The old song says this, Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Just tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys that are departed? Just tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. Have you sins to man's eye are hidden? Just tell it to Jesus. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? You can tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious about tomorrow? Just tell it to Jesus. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? You can tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom, are you sighing? You can tell it to Jesus. You can tell it to Jesus because he's a friend that's well known. Because there's no other friend or brother. You can tell it to Jesus alone. As we stand tonight, musicians come. I'm asking you tonight, as Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against even, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You can tell it to Jesus. He understands. You can tell someone, I'm sorry, and you don't have to explain. Just as you need to ask them for forgiveness. And tonight, I'm asking you, are you tired of carrying the heavy burden of hurt? Are you tired of carrying the burden of shame? You can tell it to Jesus. You can come to an altar tonight or you can kneel down wherever you're at. You can say, God, here I am. I'm opening up my heart to you. I need healing. I need healing in my spirit. I need healing in my heart. I've got wounds that I've never told nobody about. But God, you know about them. Would you take these stones I hand to you and help me that I won't slip and fall again? Would you take the stones I hand to you and build that hedge about me, God? that I can't be attacked in these areas any longer. God, because I want to have an altar that I can come to, unto you. Would you come tonight? Psalms 136.1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Why don't you come and just lay it down? Nobody really knows all the hurts. Nobody really knows all the pains, and it's none of their business. But Jesus knows. And Jesus understands. It's a day for us to let it all go. It's a day for you to say, Lord, I want to leave here healed tonight. I want to leave here with nothing else on my mind and spirit. I want to leave here that I will no longer tether mercy, but I will give mercy to all. Jesus, I want your mercy. 
you see your level of forgiveness, your level of repentance. Unto God marks your level of true power unto God. Because your level of repentance unto God tells us how much you really pray. And it tells us how much your prayer tells us how much power you really have. So why don't you just tell it to Jesus and say, God, I'm letting it go tonight. I want power with you. I want your anointing upon my life. So I'm letting it go, God. Heal me. Reach down inside and heal me. Lord, I give it to you deep in my soul. Heal me, God. Heal my heart. Heal my spirit. Heal my life, Jesus. 